Yo, 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 yo. Welcome to WrestleWolf AEW Weekly. This is our show all about WWE wrestling. Just joking. We only talk about AEW wrestling here. Uh, I'm your host, Damian Gibson. And uh, just off the bat, want to thank all the new listeners who have been tuning in in the last four to five episodes. Feels like the change of format has uh, breathed a new lease of life into the podcast. I really appreciate that. Uh, Welcome. Welcome. This is an AEW podcast produced by an AEW fan. Uh, So if you're looking for a safe space uh, to get sort of recaps and reviews about AEW, this is it. You know, I'm never going to tell you that this is a dying company, that it's a terrible company, that everybody's going to go back to WWE at some point, because none of that's true. None of it's true. But it doesn't mean that AEW doesn't do bad wrestling at times, and we will talk about that also, but we'll talk about the good stuff too. Um, Before we get into Rampage, Collision and Dynamite, I just want to, um, not to sort of grief, uh, you know, plumage here, but, uh, want to, uh, you know, give my regards to Terry Funk, who passed away at the beginning of the week. It's been a really sad week in wrestling, Terry Funk passing away, um, had a pretty good innings, you know, got to, I think it was 79 or 80 when he passed away this week. So, um, we can't underestimate the the influence that someone like Terry Funk has had on generations of wrestlers. Um, I actually read his biography, and it was a wrestler's biographies are weird, man. I I, I wouldn't really suggest reading them because it. Uh, I think. I think a lot of the time you'll find things out about your favorite people that you probably didn't want to know about. And also, not that Terry, I mean, that wasn't really the case with Terry Funk's uh, book. It was pretty, pretty boring, really. I mean, in the sense of like, you know, it's road stories. It's like, oh, this happened, then me and Dusty were on the road. We didn't really like each other, but then we got over it. And then we ended up in WWF together. And, you know, I mean, if you love wrestling, it's interesting. But anyway, I'm getting off the track. (laughs) I'm getting off the track. Hugely influential wrestler in so many different ways. I mean, was a... uh, you know, Mid-South wrestling guy for, for such a long period of time uh, throughout the 70s from a famous family uh, and then continuously sort of reinvented himself. Never really got a proper run in WCW or WWF to, uh, that equates with how big a character he is in wrestling. Um, it's sort of strange. I mean... All of those guys who, you know, pre-nationalization, so if we say 83, 84 is sort of the nationalization of wrestling in America, um, he was as big a star as anybody before that. As big as Roddy Piper, as big as, much bigger than Hulk Hogan, as big as Ric Flair, as big as Dusty Rhodes. You know, he was on the same par as all those guys and all of those guys got bits and pieces, whether in WCW or WWF. Terry Funk never really got what I think he was he was probably due. And look, when someone passes away, there there are you know, the hyperbole machine you know goes off the charts, but um there isn't really I mean you just gotta see the reverence on social media that Terry Funk was given by everybody. 
AEW wrestlers, WWE wrestlers, Japanese wrestlers. He spent time in Japan. He reinvented himself uh, moving into ECW, had one of the best feuds in ECW with Mick Foley. Um, that feud went on for a really long time. Um, but the one thing that sort of struck me was that, you know, everybody, uh, every wrestler talked about how much time he had for young people. Um, you know, there's a very hierarchical um, pyramid, social pyramid within wrestlers, even to this day, it seems like. And uh, Terry Funk just seemed to pay no attention to that bullshit and would um, help people out if they needed it, give them a, a boost if he thought they deserved it. Um, yeah, so a real shame. And he'll leave a lasting legacy. You know, it's interesting that, like, he has uh, an influence on people... You know, people like John Moxley and and uh, Eddie Guerrero, people that you probably expect. But then to see people like Bret Hart, um, you know, who's a much more technical sort of wrestler, the, the outpouring that he had for, for Terry. Um, MJF, who's a current modern-day uh, wrestler, doesn't really do much of what Terry does but or did. Um, you know, he, he had a lasting effect across, uh, you know, almost everybody, so... Uh, rest in peace, Terry. And of course, you know, I couldn't not mention <clears throat> uh, that um, that Bray Wyatt passed away yesterday. Um, Wyndham Rotunda is his real name. Um, it's early. I, I haven't clarified this. The early reports is that he died of a heart attack, but that is unstamped, unsubstantiated. So I just want to put a footnote on that, that that's the word going around social media but there hasn't been a coroner's report released or anything like that so i think it's probably best to to not speculate on it too much and it doesn't really matter um how someone has passed away the uh, the things to look at is, is he was only 30 he's only 36 it's amazing to me that he was he must have been like 23 24 when he was doing that second season of NXT, when NXT was like a, uh, it was like a reality show. It was like WWE's own little reality show that they would film before Raw, and it would go for like an hour. I think that was the same. I think Wyndham or Bray Wyatt was on the same. Uh, well, he's Husky Harris. <laughs> he was Husky Harris on NXT, but I think he was on the same season as. Um, Daniel Bryan, Bryan Danielson. Um, and like, genuinely, this isn't me saying this because the guy has passed away. He, he was someone that out of that, like out of that crew, I had no interest in Wade Barrett or Heath Slater or uh, I didn't mind Justin Gabriel, but Bryan Danielson or Daniel Bryan and Husky Harris were the two that stood out to me as interesting characters in the ring. And, um, I mean, WWE used them eventually. So, you know, I don't want to rip on, uh, Vincent Hunter too much. And, and today's not the day to buy into all that sort of tribalist bullshit. Um, but it was interesting to me that they didn't get over initially in that little NXT ecosystem, but both became two of the biggest stars on the roster, uh, Brian as a 
as a baby face, maybe one of the biggest baby faces WWE's ever had. Um, and Bray Wyatt, as as what many saw for a long period of time, as the natural successor to the Undertaker. And I think you know, outside. And again, this isn't me having a go at Vince or Hunter. I just you know, sometimes things are tried and they don't work. But I, I just felt like with Bray Wyatt, it seemed like the creative there was just. Well, not the creative, because the creative came from Bray Wyatt, and it was always interesting. I always really liked what he was doing, because I think he understood, I mean, his dad's IRS, right? Like, he understood the WWF, WWE system, um, and I think he understood that, like, bigger is better in WWE, uh... I just don't think he was booked as well as he could have. I and mean, we all know about the Hell in the Cell match with Seth Rollins. And um, that seemed to be the the jumping of the shark moment for, for most people, which I still don't really quite understand. But um, he should have been made... It, Bray Wyatt, in my opinion, should have been made the big monster heel as a champion, as a heavyweight champion and let him have a run like Roman has had, and that would have built the mystique around him. You know, and then you could have just had him at least give him a run with the belt for a long period of time, and then you can take it off him, and he's just like the Undertaker after that. When he appears, shit, uh, shit's going to get real. But anyway, unfortunately, we, we won't get to see any more of Bray's... Um, or Wyndham's ideas, or... or you know, what comes next for Bray Wyatt. Um, you know, he's married or engaged, had uh, young kids, um, one from his current relationship and two from previous marriage. So, you know, you just, your thoughts go out to them and, um, you know, to all his friends in all the locker rooms around the world, WWE, AEW. Uh, it'd be a really hard time, you know, having lost friends out of the blue recently in the last year or two, it, it really fucks you up. It really does. And uh, you don't expect it. And they're the ones that hurt the most. That The the, the blind... Uh, yeah, the, the ones that blindside you. They, they can really affect people. So um, it uh, it's amazing to me that, like, you know, there's almost been a truce... <laughs> on Twitter and threads and everything this, this week where you just haven't seen much bullshit. And uh, it's been really nice, you know. I mean, people are still talking about other things in wrestling, but there's less of that AEW, fuck AEW, fuck WWE. Um, and, uh, you know, maybe... Uh, I don't know, maybe there's a lesson to be taken out of that, you know. <laughs> maybe we could be a little bit like this uh, a little bit more like this every day moving forward. But anyway, we do need to move forward with the podcast. But uh, yeah, rest in peace, Wyndham Rotunda and Terry Funk. What a sad week uh, in the wrestling world. Um, I've decided to re-include... This is a hard transition. Decided to reintroduce Rampage into the podcast review and mainly because I want to keep an eye on it and I want to see what's happening there. And I think it's still worth critiquing um, because, you know, Tony expects, not expects, but, 
you know, in a perfect world, Tony would want you to watch all three shows. And I think maybe this might be, you know, a service that I can do for you guys. <laughs> you don't need to watch Rampage. You can just listen to the podcast and I'll tell you what was worth watching and what wasn't. Uh, Ray Phoenix versus Commander was the best moment on Rampage this week. Um, yeah, they were given 15, 20 minutes to just go. Ray Phoenix got the win, which helps sort of build him up a little bit more. Commander gets more TV time, so people get to see him. I think he's doing a fair amount of stuff down in Ring of Honor. I think Ray Phoenix is as well. But I th- again, this I think this is the problem between Rampage and Ring of Honor. Tony wants to keep Ring of Honor alive because he loved it as a kid and he is a pure wrestling fan and sees that it's important that Ring of Honor exists. So do I. But I I just... you uh, In my head, you either have to do one or two things. You need to get rid of Rampage and have Ring of Honor as the, you know, the uh, developmental territory for AEW, um, which I think would actually make people a lot more interested in it if they knew that that's what it was um or rampage becomes the developmental show and and it becomes essentially its own thing with its own roster and and ring of honor becomes a completely separate entity where no one who wrestles for AEW wrestles in ring of honor or very very rarely and vice versa rather than having this like fluid because essentially there's four shows a week, you know? Like, if you wanted to watch everything that was happening with the AEW roster, you would have to have two subscriptions, one to AEW Weekly and one to Ring of Honor or Honor Club, and you would be expected to watch four, six, seven hours of wrestling a week. And for a little, tiny little bit there, we had Dark and Dark Elevation as well, so there was nine hours of wrestling a week. <laughs> to watch anyway Ray Phoenix and Commander if if you're going to keep things the way they are then more matches like this I would just have three long matches um I I just don't I would be interested to see if they do get a huge like putting stories and stuff like I know people complain when there aren't any stories on Rampage but I just wonder if anybody sees them that you know what I mean like are you seeing bits and pieces of storyline on Rampage and not seeing it on Dynamite or Collision? I mean, you're watching one of those shows at least, right? I mean, no one's just watching Rampage. Anyway, it was an amazing match. I would go and watch the highlights on YouTube or go back and watch it if you can. Um, yeah, no storyline coming out of this. It was just a fantastic in-ring match. Uh, wait and see. Aussie Open beat Brothers Zay and Ethan Page. The reason why I've put this in the wait and see, uh, you know, why it's one last coveted award this week, I'm interested to see what happens with Aussie Open versus MJF and Adam Cole. Um, it would, I, I think, ultimately, it would be really, <laughs> I, I think the obvious storytelling for me is that MJF and Adam Cole win the tag belts on the buy in. And then they come to the ring as Ring of Honor Tag Team Champions in the main event. And I think Adam Cole will screw MJF. Uh, although, I mean, people love them so much that I 
I'm starting to lean towards the idea that nothing will happen at Wembley. I mean, there'll be results. I think MJF will retain the title. I think uh, MJF and Adam Cole will win the Ring of Honor belts. You know, um, there could be some sort of screwy finish where Roderick Strong gets involved. I really hope not. I, I You don't want the main event of the biggest wrestling event of all time to to be a screwy finish, I don't think. You know, you probably want to stick with what you've built your company on, which is clean finishes and trying to have long-term storytelling involved in the match outcome. Um, so I think really the only way to, to do that is to have MJF win clean and for them to beat Aussie Open for the Ring of Honor titles, which sucks a bit because I think Aussie Open are just really starting to hit their straps. I think the confidence that Tony showed in them and in, in signing them um, when they were off the shelf injured and then also immediately putting the Ring of Honor belts on them, has especially Carl Fletcher, he really seems um, empowered. Like he seems like, oh shit, okay, I am good at this. I do have someone who believes in me. He's starting to see it and they're starting to get over slowly, but it's happening. Hearing people, you know, I mean, obviously not up against MJF and Adam Cole, they're not going to go over, but you're hearing people doing the oi, oi, oi chance, which I never thought would fucking get over. That's my bad. I said for <laughs> months that that was terrible and people would hate it. I was wrong. Um, yeah, also interested to see the Brothers A, Ethan Page. I just, like, these, I think this is where people get critical of AEW storytelling recently, that there is so much going on that is it, is it that AEW are telling these stories across four different shows and I just don't see all of it? Or is it that sometimes people get forgotten? Because to me, it feels like Brothers A and Ethan Page have been forgotten you know like and tony always seems to come back to these stories but the story was that ethan page now like essentially is under contract to the hardys (laughs) and the hardys going to teach him how to be a face really um and i know we're seeing that and maybe that's just part of the story of him losing and having to lose the ego of the all ego adam page uh ethan page sorry um but I'm just interested. I, I thought they were a pretty good tag team. I thought they were a kind of fun. So maybe we we could use do something with that. The worst was Britt Baker. Britt Baker cut a promo here. I I I mean anyone who listens to the podcast um, regularly will know that I, I've kind of been off Britt for a while now. Um, and this has got nothing to do with backstage shit or anything like that. It's got nothing to do with that. Um, I don't really want to talk about that stuff as, uh, or talk about as little as possible as I, as I can. There were, there were a lot of reports about her and Thunder Rosa hating each other, Thunder Rosa accusing Britt Baker of politicking and all that sort of thing, which, I mean, as far as I know, that's what happens at wrestling shows. So who's wrong and right here? It's hard to sort of tell. I don't think Britt painted herself as a great person on the reality TV show, the backstage pass. I think... Out of all the people who were on there, I think Sammy and Tay painted themselves really well. I think Adam Cole painted themselves really well. I think the Bucks, at times, painted themselves all right. Uh, Britt came across as someone who was quite, in my eyes, quite immature and 
um, uh, I mean, for want of a better word, bitchy. Uh, she seemed to be complaining about other girls on the roster, other people. And I think uh, the only reason I bring this up is I don't think it has helped with rumors that get propelled on social media. Um, because, you know, you see her on like, I mean, this is a weird thing to cite, but you see her on Twitch streams with Adam Cole and she just seems like a really lovely person. So, uh, yeah, but... My critique of her promo has got nothing to do with any of that. It's just, it feels like Britt Baker's been cutting the same promo for a year and a half, which is everybody, you know, everybody is bad. I am good. And after I win this match, everyone will say Britt Baker, DMD. That's the same. It's the same promo every fucking time, every time, every goddamn time. (laughs) And what frustrates me about this one is that it's about the, and she sort of mentioned I was on the original All In and now I'm going to be on this All In, which is fitting because 80,000 people at Wembley are going to say, now say it along with me, guys, my name, Dr. Britt Baker, DMD. It's like, I get that it's her catchphrase, but it just having to hit that button at the end of every promo makes it really boring and predictable. But also, from a very basic storytelling point of view, is that I'm not being shown something here, I'm being told. I'm being told what's going to happen, which I understand that's a promo, but I I never see Britt Baker doing anything that backs that up. I barely ever see her um, wrestle, I don't see her win anything. Anyway, so... I just think that's a, it was an example of bad, lazy storytelling. I will just do a two-minute promo with Brett about Wembley and then we'll move on. Um, yeah. That's not... I mean, I just want to be go on the record. 75% of the fault for that is with Tony Khan, not with Brett. Um, but I would also say that Brett needs to think of a way of of getting her point across differently because the promo is the same every time. Uh, Let's move on to Collision. Best was Dalton Castle versus Jay White. Uh, One, because it was a really fun, good match. Two, Dalton Castle uh, debuting on AEW TV. um, Oh, on Collision. Uh, I, I would have him on Collision all the time. Like, he's a star. He's got star factor. He's different. He's interesting. Yes, he might rub some people up the wrong way because the allusions to, uh, you know, his sexuality or, you know, but who cares? Who cares? You know, I mean, what him, you know, proclaiming to be a peacock, <laughs> that's, I mean, to me, that's just classic 80s wrestling tropes, man. I, I Dalton Castle is funny. And entertaining, he's great in ring, he's different, he's interesting, and I think for like a mid-card, upper mid-card guy on Collision, you could do a lot worse. Uh, I would love to see more of him on Collision all the time. Um, And, you know, just the idea, like, Jay White versus Dalton Castle, you know, even if you... Fast, if you'd rewound like three years ago and said, hey, you know, in a little while on AEW, you're going to see Dalton Castle and Jay White on a new show called Collision, which is on Saturday nights, which is kind of Sam Punk's show. Um, 
you would be like, holy shit, that's amazing. I would love to see Dalton Castle versus JY. And it was amazing. Uh, my wait and see uh, category on Collision is Bullet Club Gold Story. Um, it's in this category just because I kind of want to talk about Bullet Club Gold. I think they're doing fantastic work on Collision. They It does sort of feel like they've been treading water a little bit. I think what we're going to get out of the three, uh, the three-man match, which is uh, Kenny... Uh, Abushi and Hangman versus Jay White, Juice Robinson, and shit, I can't remember who. I cannot remember who the third person is. Doesn't matter. It'll come to me. Um, but I think we're going to get Jay White. I think there's going to be a a, a Jay White Kenny Omega story coming out of this, they keep referencing Bullet Club and the elite, they think they're the elite of the Bullet Club and all this sort of thing, this is a story that uh, got, you know, I mean, it it went some of the way of being told in New Japan, but it does kind of need an ending, and I think uh, if we get the second half of that story, Jay White versus Kenny Omega, Bullet Club rivalry, um, I would love to see that. I know the counter-argument to that would be like, well, what if I don't watch New Japan? It's cool, man. I can tell you the story in like two seconds. Kenny Omega was leader of Bullet Club. He offered Jay White uh, membership. Jay White fucked him over, said yes, and then fucked Kenny over, and then <clears throat> essentially backstabbed Kenny to take over uh, Bullet Club and then was the leader for four years or something after that. This is what always happens in Bullet Club. Someone fucks it. It's what David Finlay did to Jay White. Um, There's always a hostile takeover at the Bullet Club and then the next generation takes over. Um, so it's a big deal from a Japan wrestling or Japanese wrestling point of view. But also, don't you want to see Kenny Omega and Jay White wrestle each other and cut promos on each other? I do. I do. Um, you know, and especially if you book that under the guise of like, you know, and whoever wins this battle can claim to be the number one contender in AEW, you know, great, book it, make it happen. Uh, the worst moment on Collision was Sam Punk's GTS <laughs> on Samoa Joe, but, but and I am a Sam Punk apologist. Here's a couple of things. Small Joe is a big, big boy. So to even get him up on his shoulders was a was a an effort in itself. Uh, and I really like the Golden Vampire thing, man. I thought that was fun. Have Punk at the beginning of the show. He he beats Samoa Joe in like 45 seconds. Puts a full stop on what Punk's trying to say about their match at Wembley. I think it's great, man. I think it's great. Uh, but the GTS looked like shit. Uh, absolutely. Uh, Dynamite. The best thing that happened on Dynamite. It was quite... I thought it was a really good episode of Dynamite this week. Um, the best thing for me was Will Ospreay and Chris Jericho actually de delivering a, contact, a contract signing that moved the story along substantially um, and one that I actually believed. I actually believed that 
that Will Ospreay, Will, I mean, Chris did great work here, um, but he knew, like, again, Ospreay just, uh, Jericho just puts kids over, man. He's been doing it since day one at AEW. And uh, you can, uh, I see a lot of, um, you know, there's been times where maybe I've gotten frustrated. It's like, oh, he's a bit old and blah, blah. But you can see, I mean, in the two weeks that they've been building this story up, I mean, Willow Spray said this week, I'll get to beat the biggest name on AEW's roster at their biggest show ever. And if I do that, I cement my legacy. And my contract at New Japan ends in six months' time. So, uh, and then he said he was better than Punk, better than Danielson. So, like, I... I feel like that's a pretty good indicator that we're going to get Will Ospreay and AEW, um, which to me, getting JY and Will Ospreay were the two most important signings AEW could get. They get those two. I don't really mind who leaves. You could lose a John Moxley back to WWE. You could lose Brian Danielson. Punk could have another temper tantrum and leave. As long as you've got JY and Will Ospreay signed to very, very long contracts, the company will do fine. It, it will it will continue to generate great business. Um, but yeah, this was a fantastic, uh, fantastic uh, contract signing. Um, you know, Jericho is kind of in babyface mode here. Um, AW sort of doing that like tweener thing that they do sometimes, which. I'm not a big fan of, I do like black and white booking when it comes to heel face, but, um, both of these guys come across as, you can, you can understand both of their points, because Will Ospreay is saying, I'm going to beat you, man, I'm going to beat you, so I can, if I beat you at Wembley, in my hometown, then I'm the hottest free agent in the world, and it's going to make me a millionaire, and I need to do that for my family, you know, for my stepkid, all that sort of thing. And then Jericho is like, this is the biggest show in wrestling history. So therefore, it's the biggest show of my life. And I can't lose to someone who essentially, as far as I'm concerned, is a rookie, which, I mean, he's not, but that's kind of the story that's being being told here. You know, you're, you're nothing. You're Will Ospreay. Like, go away, you know. Uh, but also taking, like, doing that sort of Jericho thing of, like, taking credit because I called you five years ago and told you to stop being so reckless so you could get to this point, so you're welcome. You know, like, I, I just thought, I thought there was legitimate heat and energy in the segment. Don Callis being there makes makes a huge difference as well because people do not like Don Callis. But most importantly, they're telling a story here. Uh, they're telling us why both men need to win this match at Wembley. And for me personally, I came away from this segment looking forward to this match the most, which is a pretty amazing accomplishment when you think about some of the cards, some of the matches that are on the card, but also the amount of time and effort that's been put into the MJF Adam Cole story, the amount of time and effort that's been put into the Young Bucks FTR story, even though people are saying, oh, well, there's no story there. It, the story's been going on for three years since FTR walked through the door. So I'm sorry if you've only been watching AEW for a couple of weeks and you don't know the story, but that's the story. Like, 
you know, long-term fans get the benefit of knowing the story. And also you get told by the commentators. So, you know, it's not hard to keep up. Um, but yeah, I just thought it, I just thought it was great. And I, the match I'm most excited for at Wembley is Jericho versus Will Ospreay. Uh, wait and see. This is kind of a a series of segments across the night. Renee did some really great one-on-one interviews. She did one with MJF that was fantastic. She did another one with Adam Cole that was fantastic. Um, and uh, now I've forgotten the third one. Um but she did some fantastic work with Eddie Kingston later on in the night where Eddie got aggressive with her. And, and um, I just think having the longer video packages where Renee is um, interviewing people, um, not so much a promo, like, you know, in the sense of like someone comes in and hits them and blah, blah, an actual sit down interview. So, you know, and you give it two or three minutes it just helps tell the story so much. It comes across as realistic. AEW from day one wanted to present themselves in a more Japanese style of being a kayfabe sports company. So do that. Present present like that. That's why I really like the technique with Taz segments that they only did for like a month and then stopped doing it. Do things like that. Break it down. This is how this person wins matches. And this move is unbeatable at the moment. You know, you can build wrestlers up that way. And Renee doing in-depth interviews with people helps tell a story in a way that, one, makes sense to a modern audience, but two, uh, it feels legit. You know, like, uh, so I just think, you know, and she's a great talent. So, yeah, I would have her doing that um, as much as possible. Um, yeah, and the worst moment, uh, look, it was a very good episode, so, like, um, nothing to get too upset about, but I just thought Christian replacing AR Fox, uh, was a bit of a, I don't know, it just sort of came out of nowhere, right? Like, uh, I said on the last episode that it was a huge spot for AR Fox to be wrestling at Wembley, and, um... He's not. <laughs> I feel bad for the guy. I mean, he would have known. He would have known that this is the story. But um, And he'll probably still get to come out in some shape or form with Derby, but, um, which I'm not a huge fan of. But anyway. Um, but it feels... A, it just... Like, I know they've been telling the Christian versus Derby story and the Derby versus uh, uh, Swerve story. And so they've kind of, you know, it's the two supervillains combining forces to take out the superhero. But it just, to me, it just felt like Christian had been crowbarred in a bit. I mean, there was a moment of like, oh, but there was also a moment of like, ah, man, I was really enjoying, like, I was really enjoying that story. I was enjoying the AR Fox swerve story. Um... Yeah, I just would have kept the story going for another week and ha- have the match at Wembley. Um, you know, the, the only thing I can think of is that if you, there is a lot of rumours circling around. Still don't know what Edge's contract status is. He reckons that there's an email from WWE 
like a contract extension in his inbox right now. He just hasn't signed it. Um, to me, go, him going out and talking about that seems weird, you know, if it was legit. So, um, I don't know. I get the feeling, like, it's Wembley, man. It's a big show. I get the feeling that maybe we might see some somebody show up that's a big deal. Uh, but then also, I mean, the attitude might be that, like, this is our biggest show. There's no need to bring somebody from inside, uh, from outside into this. Like, everybody who is on this bill has worked very hard to get there. So, you know, we don't want to do that. But, yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe Edge will get involved in this story somehow. But then you've got Christian Luchasaurus versus Derby at All Out the week after. So there'll be something going on there. Something. Um, but I can't imagine Edge, like if Edge was to come to AEW, I could, he's not going to tag, he's not going to team up with Darby Allen because Sting is already involved there. And if Edge was to come across, surely he would be, you know, like he's either tagging with Christian or he's going to be in and around the main event picture somewhere. Maybe not for the belt, but he's got to be at the top of the card. Maybe CM Punk. You know, maybe he comes to Collision and challenges CM Punk. That could be cool. Anyway, um, so yeah, not the worst, worst moment we've ever had in the history of the podcast, but I will say this. It did feel a bit last minute and crowbarred in, although you never really know. You never really know. Um, all right, I'm going to leave that there, guys. I've, I've got a really bad cold flu at the moment. You might be able to hear it in my voice, so... I've dragged myself out of my sick bed to come and record today. Um, so you're welcome, guys. Um, no, thank you so much for listening. Um, I really appreciate it. I'm really having fun again doing this, especially now that I know that there's an audience for it. Um, and yeah, again, like it's just nice. It's nice for me to be able to talk about AEW because it's something that brings me so much joy. And uh, yeah, I hope that you get you know, if you're walking your dog, going for a run or, you know, painting the house or whatever, I I know what it's like not to have it, you know, to have a passion for something and not have anyone to talk to about it. So I hope, I hope this kind of, my wife is messaging me. Um, I hope this, (laughs) um, I hope this podcast can, you know, if that's where you're at, I hope this podcast can, can, uh, fit that bill for you to, you know, feel like you, you've had a conversation with a friend about uh, the best wrestling promotion in the world, All Elite Wrestling. Alrighty, uh, I am going to leave that there. Thank you so much. If you want to help the podcast, you can rate and review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Now have rating and reviewing as well. It does genuinely make a huge difference um, to, to help me get out to more people. I had a couple of reviews last week, which got us into the top 100 wrestling shows in Australia. Uh, this week, that that's for such a small scale podcast like my own, that makes a huge difference. So I really thank you guys for doing that. If you could do more of that, that would be fantastic. Five star reviews, please. Um, <laughs> and uh, I will be back next week for more AEW Weekly. 